You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Looking for a better solution to keep your firearms in high-performance condition? Visit RiptideArmory.com for the most advanced proprietary gun cleaning formula on the market. Right now, get up to $40 off any cleaning kit for a limited time on RiptideArmory.com and take advantage of this amazing deal today. Riptide's two-step cleaning kit offers state-of-the-art technology and guaranteed satisfaction. Riptide Armory is a veteran-founded business, and you can trust that all chemicals are American-made and quality-tested. Shop RiptideArmory.com. Welcome to the point after on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews. We're, we're excited about the hats and t-shirts, man. We, you know, we've been waiting to put them on for a few weeks now. And so, um, you know, it, it's a lot of excitement in there, and rightfully so, man. They've earned that. Good evening and welcome to The Point After. Welcome inside the WDVE studios. I'm Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove. Tunch Ilkin not joining us today. We are getting Craig Wolfley good to go to be joining us. But as you heard there from Coach Tomlin, Billy, uh, hats and T-shirts. You know, a lot of the players remarked in July when you start training camp, that's goal number one. But you check that box and you move on. And we've known for weeks now the Steelers were in the playoffs. It was just a matter of, would that be a home playoff game? And a home playoff game, even in this crazy 2020 season of no fans, limited fans, weird atmospheres, I will take a home game. And I'm sure the Steelers feel the same way. And, Missy, we didn't want to go to Cleveland on Sunday having to beat the Browns. Uh, we didn't want that scenario in any way, shape, or form, so we're spared that. But I'd like to have been a fly on that wall of that Steelers locker room. I think there was a lot of relief. And uh, I read that Ben said that uh, he had a little halftime speech where he said, let's go have some fun. Well, you can see the difference between the Steelers having fun and working at football. And we saw that in two halves yesterday. Yeah, I mean, just looking at Ben's numbers from first half to second half in the first half, 11 of tw- for 20 of 22, 98 yards, second half, 22 of 28, 244 yards, three touchdowns. He was uh, a Hall of Famer in that second half. And, um, you know, what I liked about it was the fact that uh, all this criticism about, you know, you're throwing those shallow crosses all the time. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of shallow crosses. I saw some when they needed them when they thought that the zone would benefit the offense. But uh, I liked the intermediate throws. I liked down-the-field throws. Uh, The 39-yard touchdown to to, uh, Deontay. Uh, the 25-yarder to Juju, uh, they they were works of art, and that's what uh, we haven't been seeing for, well, what, most of December. 
right? I, I feel like, you know, down 17, you're almost forced to have to throw it. You have to let loose a little bit to try to get something to work. And it didn't work right out of the gate coming into that second half. But for the Steelers, like you said, when they started going down the field a little bit, there were connections. There was no miscommunication, which I think has been a, a true problem in terms of the wide receivers and Ben just being on the same page. You could tell by their body language when somebody didn't run the right route or maybe Ben didn't get it to where he said he was going to put the ball. So I, I do feel like it's one half, um, but it is something to build on. And I think that is the important thing as you go into this regular season finale against Cleveland, who is playing for their playoff lives. Uh, the Steelers know they have clinched the AFC North and they are in the playoffs for the first time since 2017, which we are spoiled uh, when you look at a team like the Bills and just the excitement they had for clinching a playoff spot. But 2017 feels like a while ago. Well, it was a while ago. Uh, I was a much younger person in 2017. Uh, we are spoiled. Uh, you know, and when they say the standard is the standard, it sounds uh, like coach speak and it sounds trite, but it's true. Uh, you know, a 4-12 and season for a Steelers fan is unthinkable. 8-8 uh, eight and eight is terrible. Uh, some teams get in at 8-8. Eight and eight. So, yeah, it, it's all good. Um, I'm glad that they finally, the offense finally clicked and had some continuity. And you're right, maybe the fact that they had to throw the ball really helped them instead of hurt them. But uh, now with hopefully a, a health, healthy James Conner, uh, you know, this offense will – will flourish. Uh, you know, one thing about Connor is he's really good on blitz pickup. And I noticed that the totals yesterday very much favored the Steelers in that Ben got hit twice, once for the sack and one other time. That's it. I think we hit uh, Philip Rivers seven times. And that's a big difference. Yeah, and I think uh, James brings that physical play. Uh, and like you said, you saw it even just from the line in the second half, just everybody on the offense working together. And I think even the defense, not that they did – Horrible in the first half. Obviously, there were some chunk plays that I'm sure they would like to have back some uh, touchdowns as well. But I just thought the defensive front uh, really got after Phillip Rivers in the second half, confused him, frustrated him. And, you know, his body language tells everything you need to know about what he's thinking or feeling. And an interesting that I, thing that I had heard um, from T.J. Watt following the game is he said, you know, having Vince Williams back and how much Rivers checks at the line, checks the play. It was a chess match between those two, and you saw Vince Williams resetting the defense every single time that, you know, Rivers was changing the play. So um, it was good to have Vince back. Uh, I don't know if you had heard he played every single snap on defense, and I wasn't able to see it. I know the TV cameras didn't see it either, but Avery Williamson told the media today that Vince was actually, you know, sucking down some oxygen uh, when the defense was on the sidelines just from all the COVID ramifications and of missing two games. And just he was doing everything his body could uh, take him to to uh, get through that game. And in that tale of two halves, you saw the body language of the defenses, the Steelers in the first half, then the Colts in the second half. That defense was out there a long time. And uh it, you know, people say, well, wait a minute, the offense is out there too. No, it's the mindset of chasing rather than being chased. Uh, and I think that is a valid comparison. Uh, it's so hard to chase people when you don't know where they're going. At least the person being chased has some idea as to where they're going. So that's a lot of pressure off them. And I think it takes a physical toll as well. 
Another thing, uh, going back to before the game with the Colts yesterday, uh, you know, Ben had a players-only meeting for just the offensive guys, and he's the one that kind of brought it up, and he said, do not make this about, you know, it's because we're losing, and that's why I did it. He said, I wanted everybody to understand where we are right now, where we're going, which is the playoffs, no matter what happens the last two games, which is true. Um, and he just wanted to say, hey, have you played in a playoff game? Raise your hand if you have. And not very many people did. And he said the guys that had their hands up, the veterans, he wanted them to speak to the younger guys. Um, I'm not sure if there was a lot of questions asked. I know one of the, the, the points brought up was, you know, Mike Munchak is a Hall of Famer. He has a gold jacket. He has played in one Super Bowl. Like, he has been part of one Super Bowl game. Think about that. Somebody who has 30-plus years in this league, you cannot take it for granted. Uh, and I, I went back, and more than just on offense, I looked at defense and special teams in that 2017 team for the Steelers. There's only 10 guys on offense remaining. The three specialists are the same. And then on defense, there's 10 guys. 25 people on this roster have not been in the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, that's almost half. Well, Steve, so Steve Nelson was with the Chiefs. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, but, I was strictly looking at people that were still with the Steelers mm -hmm. in 2000. And it's just crazy to think, you know, 2017 was TJ, Juju, James Conner, Cam Sons. That was their rookie year. Which wow. just seems crazy as, you know, we're going into the next contract of, of their football careers. Um, but, yeah, that was their rookie year. 2017. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. Too long for Steelers fans. <laughs> and interestingly, uh, we didn't have any fans at the game yesterday, but uh, I could have imagined people walking out of those gates at halftime. Um, it just, it's the nature of, of fans. And uh, gosh, uh, it didn't happen. And I don't think the players notice stuff like that anyhow. They've got too much going on between the lines. Uh, but it's, it's a thought. Uh, and we said it on the broadcast toward the end of the game. Uh, that's why they play 60 minutes. You know, uh, the first half means nothing. Uh, the second half normally means more. And I guess that's why you get so many teams defer to the second half. It's much more important possession than any of the first half in most games. As you said, uh, it wasn't the full game. It wasn't a total dominance. But what do you think that showed you in terms of the Steelers uh, being in such a hole like that, down 17 points, and knowing that, you know, this was – they had been waiting for those hats and T-shirts, as Coach Tomlin said. You know, there were several weeks where they could have clinched the AFC North, and it, it was self-inflicted. When you are not playing well, you tend to press and you tend to work at it. And I think that was Ben's message. Let's have some fun. You know, let's forget about that first half. We can still do something uh, about this game and about this team. And I think uh, they did it uh, really well. And, you know, football is a, the ultimate team sport. And uh, I like the way that defenses and offenses can complement each other. They can also hurt one another. Uh, when the defense is out there a long time, the offense is generally to blame. And, gosh, that first series of downs in the football game, you know, incomplete, incomplete, incomplete punt. That's not the way you want to set a tone, especially for an important game. Uh, but I think the players, especially professional players, can block that out and just say, hey, I'm here for a reason. I have God-given talents. Uh, let me use them, and let me have fun in the process. And I think that's what they did. I think I hear somebody else. Is that Wolf? <laughs> I hear yes, you, Missy. Wolf. It I hear wolf. you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was lost in the ether forever. 
Well, that's why we have producer Tom on hand to keep us all in line. Uh, Whoop, I'm not so sure how much you got to hear from Billy and I kind of, uh, you know, just spewing uh, what happened yesterday, the craziness of it all. And, uh, you know, Billy said to his point, if fans were in attendance, they were probably leaving at the at halftime. Well, uh, if they had the cutouts, I'm sure the cutouts were leaving. (laughs) You know, it was it was a tough game. I mean, let's face it. uh, You you come off that 11 game stretch. You've got three losses in a row. The pressure is mounting on everybody and everybody's feeling the pressure to get something done. So when you come out and you um, you kind of pick up where you uh, left off in Cincinnati in many ways, you know, it just it's unfortunate, you know, and it's it's not where you want to be. But something happened over that halftime, and there's a group of guys that got together, and they just stood together as a group, and they got they found that dog in them. They found that place you got to go where you ball your fist up and you double up your chin strap, and you say, "Let's let's go." I've had it. I've had enough. You know, I said it before. I, it's somewhere else. Uh, I can't remember what our program was on, but I remember getting the huddle with Mike Webster muttering to himself and and muttering some things like I've had all I can stand and I can't stand anymore. And then he started tearing some people up. You know, it just, it does happen. These guys are professionals. There is pride and you get to a point where you just, you just can't stand it anymore. You're going to play better just out of sheer desperation. We were talking about the halftime speech. Uh, You know, Ben said he simply told the guys, it doesn't look like anybody's having fun. We need to go have some fun in that second half. Marquise Pouncey, another leader of that locker room, also spoke up as well. Uh, How much do you play into that in terms of their rebounding in the second half, Wolf? Well, I think definitely anytime you have the leaders come up and speak, Joe Green only had kind of frown or growl a little bit. You know I mean? There was not much in the way of halftime speeches. But, you know, Ben kind of mimics, as we were talking about earlier this afternoon, Missy, uh, what Chuck Knoll used to believe. Look, football is fun. Winning football is fun. So if you want to have fun, let's go out and win. Do the things you need to do. And sometimes in that moment when the pressure builds up, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ben was understanding that there's a lot of pressure in that locker room. When he said those words, I remember when Chuck Knoll repeated those about 35 years ago. Um, and I remember the tension kind of leveling off and dropping down in the room. And then the decision was, let's go forward and get the job done. And I think that's what good leadership is about. All right, guys, it is time now for our IBEW electrifying moment of the game brought to you by IBEW local number five. Woof, you started the good juju, uh, the good mojo last week by going first. So tonight we are going to keep that streak going. Well, we're going to go with low-hanging fruit, uh, but I really, really believe this <laughs> oh, come with on. all my heart. Come on. You know me. <laughs> I, I'm a low-hanger. Uh, the fact is, you know, you think about it, coming off of that four wax from the one-yard line, and then uh, the defense comes out and makes some punt, but then Ben throws that 39-yarder, and he just flatlines it right down to Deontay Johnson, who supermans uh, the, the catch, lays out. You know, this is – this to me is, is I, I'm sitting there watching that at home. And I, I got to tell you, that four cracks from the one was as discouraging and heartbreaking as you could imagine for an old hog like me to see where you run once, then you pass three times and you get nowhere. And then to see him come back. And, you, you know, I, I really felt like that kid, the, ba- the bat boy in the, in the movie with Robert Redford, the natural. 
you're waiting for that crack of lightning, that bolt of lightning that comes because you still believe that number seven, Ben Roethlisberger, has got the juice. I've seen it before. I've been in the huddle with Terry Bradshaw. You wait for that crack of lightning, that bolt, because you know these guys, Hall of Famers at that quarterback position, no matter how bad it gets, they can always pull themselves together. And by golly, there it was, that one flatliner right down, right down to uh, – uh, Deontay, and what a play. That was just a great play. Okay, Billy, what's yours? I was going to go with Mike Hilton's fourth quarter interception because it was, first of all, a great play. And it, mm-hmm. was, you know, it fit right into the, the script. But the more I looked at it, remember, the Colts won the toss and deferred. And they get the ball to start the third quarter, and they continue where they left off, except they got to a third and three at the Pittsburgh seven. And Stefan Tuitt came up with a big sack. Uh, mm. T.J. Watt was also involved in that situation. And instead of them scoring and going up uh, twenty, uh, what twenty-seven to seven or twenty-eight to seven, mm-hmm. and I think at that point you have you're in a deep hole. You probably won't come back. Uh, they forced Blankenship's twenty-eight yarder to make it twenty-four-seven. Okay, then we turned the ball over on downs. And then we got field position and took advantage with that great play to Deontay that uh, Craig described. But I think without Stefan Tuitt's sack on a third and three at the seven, uh, that rest of that game has a different complexion. And, and also, by the way, not too many, and Craig, you can probably back me up on this, not too many 3-4 defenses ever get two sacks from the three defensive linemen in a game. And they got oh, it yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. that tells you something about what's going on up front. No doubt. So and that play, I think that third and three sack, to me, that was the key. And Stephon Tuitt's now double digits on the year. That was 10 sacks for him now, heading into one more final regular season game. So 15 for T.J. Watt, 10 for Stephon Tuitt. Amazing. It, it is amazing, especially when you consider that Stephon was out last year. We knew what the difference he'd be as a, as a guy coming back to be a difference maker in this defense. And I can't say enough about how these guys have been playing at such a high level. And even the fact Alex Highsmith stepped in, he did some things to that left tackle, that Holden kid from the the Colts. I'm telling you, it was very, very impressive, some of the stuff he did on the pass rush. All right, well, we're going to talk about that and much more, including the Steelers' slow starts in the beginning of games. What can they do to improve that as they head into the postseason? We'll return here on The Point After. Back to the point after on DVE. Steelers with a corner fire. Rivers being chased. He's hit. The ball came out. And it's picked up by the Steelers. It is Mike Hilton inside the 10 down to the 5. And he's got it at the 3-yard line. T.J. Watt with a strip. Mike Hilton with a scoop. And the Steelers are in business first and goal at the Colts 3-yard line. Everybody, welcome back to The Point After. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Woofley recapping the Steelers' 28-24 win over the Colts on Sunday at Heinz Field. The Steelers now at 12-3, one final regular season left to go. A bus trip to beautiful Cleveland to face the Browns, who are fighting to get into the playoffs. And guys, uh, another just... Crazy year where the AFC North could potentially have three teams in the playoffs, both the Browns and the Ravens. If they simply win next week, week 17, they are in as well, Billy. I looked at the uh, league's what-if sheet. It would take us a good half hour to read it. 
for sure. Let alone digest it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's interesting. Well, hey, the, the 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 division had a good year. I mean, you can't you can't deny that. It uh, arguably the strongest in the AFC. It might be the strongest in the NFL. Yeah, the Ravens and the Browns both sitting at 10 and 5. Same with the Colts, obviously, who the Steelers beat yesterday. And the Colts actually have the toughest way uh, to get into the playoffs. So they need to win and then something else to happen uh, for that to take place. But the first one for the Browns and the Ravens is just win. Right. So we'll see the Browns, of course, playing the Steelers. Still a 1 o'clock kick. We are all very happy about that. And the Baltimore Ravens are facing Cincinnati. That's also a 1 o'clock kick. But as you heard there uh, from Billy's call yesterday and the Steelers win over the Colts, Wolf, just another monster game for T.J. Watt. Uh, we all like to sing his praises and talk about the defensive player of the year candidacy for him last year he made a strong case for that as well but right now 15 sacks 23 tackles for loss 42 quarterback hits all leading the nfl the seventh player to <laughs> register at least 15 sacks and 23 tackles for loss in a single season since 1999 the 14th player in nfl history with at least 14 and a half sacks in back-to-back -back seasons and just the first player and Steelers history with 14 or more sacks in multiple seasons. Just nuts. It is nuts, you know, but it's it's a it's a testament to his desire to be better and be the best that he can be. You know, it's one thing if you come out and you yeah, you got 10 sacks or eight sacks or whatever, and you keep hitting around that eight to twelve area. But if you really desire to be the best, and he's only got to look as far as his older brother to start to see those sorts of things that go along with being the very best. Um, you know, you there's that emphasis on the personal development that he's undertaken. I mean, you watch him. He's by himself uh, at practice, and he's, he's like talking to himself. He's working his hand-trapping motion. He's looking at, you know, the dip and rip and how he can get lower and get underneath the punch on the corner. I mean, if you look at – just look at the first sack he got off Chaz Green, okay? He runs the arc on this guy. He's coming up field, and he sees the quarterback – start to bail out and, and stop it at depth, right? He doesn't keep running the arc to the back. He comes underneath and, and, and levels off and makes a hard charge inside and uses one-arm stab to keep Green moving backwards. So he gets a sack the first time. Second time, all right, now Green is sitting to the inside thinking, all right, I got to protect my inside because this guy is really smart and does this and that. Well, then <laughs> he comes around and he fakes to the inside and he traps to the outside. And he runs the arc around behind and gets a strip sack at, at Phil Rivers when he knocked the ball out. I mean, it's absolutely awesome the way he goes about setting guys up. He's not going to fastball you with the same rush time and time again. He's going to keep changing things up and make you think about it. He's turned it into a science. Uh, yes. Early in the year, we saw that article, and I can't remember where or who wrote it, but it made the point that he even – remembers which hand to use depending on where the quarterback has the ball. If it's up here, I use the left hand. If it, you know, and and to Absolutely. be that scientific is incredible because uh, he's really not quote unquote a mature player. He's still a young player and he's well, you know got that much knowledge. Billy, he's not even 300 pounds. You know what I mean? No. It's not like he's a a 4-3 guy. It's it's is he's just got very good attributes all the way around, but he's a thinking man and he's got tremendous desire. 
think again what Mike Tomlin said. Mike Tomlin said, T.J. Watt doesn't need anybody to make him better. And Wolf, I, there's, that's said. Wolf, do you remember uh, when he was drafted and they had that fan day at the stadium and you and I interviewed him for the first time? Right. Oh, I sure do. And I remember when he walked away, either you or somebody else said, one thing about this guy we know, he's relentless. And that should be his middle name. He, he never takes a snap great. off. He, I mean, it's just snap after snap, effort after effort. The guy is incredible. Well, if he takes a snap off, he's standing next to Butler on the sideline. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And also just, you know, simply put the message that he was relaying after the game last night. We're far from done. You know, I, I think there was some excitement, of course, because of how long it took them to finally clinch the division this season. Um, and, you know, missing the playoffs for the past two years, not fun either. Um, but I think he set the right tone, the right message, something, you know, that kind of echoed Cam Hayward saying, you know, this is something to build on. So they both realized, okay, we can put a check mark in this box, but there's still a lot to do. And I also just think, and I mentioned it on the broadcast last night as well, that TJ Watt is also a teacher. He's also a, I want everybody around me to be better and to do their job as well as they possibly can. Uh, Cassius Marsh, the new guy, uh, you know, TJ working with him during pregame, taking the surface and showing him things. Um, he played a limited number of snaps, uh, just trying to give him and Highsmith a break. But he does it with Highsmith, too. And he's even admitted that, you know, him and Bud were such a tandem, just knew each other inside and out. They were they only talked to each other at practice and on the sidelines of games. And you just had a way of communicating with each other and just looking at each other or hand signal and whatnot. And he's realizing, you know, he has to rebuild and learn the same thing with a rookie and Alex Highsmith, who I know Wolf, you were uh, starting to go there in the last segment before I had to cut you short, but just incredible pressure on that Mike Hilton interception. Um, you know, he had, some more pressure, even possibly a hit on Phillip Rivers on that final fourth and one and seven tackles. I know he hasn't had a sack yet since he took over for Bud, but that one spin move, I'm sure that's what you saw when you went oh. back and watched the game. I just, I think he is coming into his own and obviously it's happening at the right time for the Steelers as they get ready for uh, the postseason. Unquestionably so, Missy. I mean, you watch that spin move. The guy gains ground when he spins. I'm telling you, when you get a guy who understands, I've, you know, you, you get a number of guys through the NFL you play against, and the guy, some guys will throw the uppercut. They try to lift and get that hip against you, so they lift you up, and then they spin. Now, the guys that gain ground, that seek to step up, you know, upfield after they spin, those are the guys that are dangerous. The guys that spin in place, like they're in a three-quart bucket, that's no problem. You punch them, you sit back, you'll you'll be face-to-face -face with them after they're done, you know, doing their disco dance there. <laughs> the fact is, yeah, that's all it is. But the guys that, that do it like that, that spin and gain ground up the field, those are dangerous. That's uh, that's Dwight Freeney, since we're talking about uh, playing the Colts here. That was Dwight Freeney. That was his go-to move. If Alex Highsmith can bottle that and keep getting better at that, that's going to be uh, – that'll be worth five sacks a year to him. Billy sticking with the sack theme, uh, you know, 72 games in a row with at least one sack for the Steelers continuing their streak. But now with 52 sacks on the season, still one more game. We're going to debate a little bit later in the show uh, who should play, who shouldn't play in Cleveland against the Browns. But of those 52 sacks, there are 13 different players who have at least one sack. TJ, as we all know, leads the team with 15 and Pittsburgh has recorded five or more sacks in four games, including yesterday, this season. 
It's called balance. And if you have it on offense, it's pretty obvious where you uh, don't let the other team know whether you're going to run or pass. But on defense, uh, you don't know where the sack is coming from. Uh, and that's because the system is working and you got to uh, give Butts a lot of credit. You know, he's kind of stuck with his game plan. And uh, uh, I don't know whether this group is easy to coach or tough to coach, but he keeps them all on the same page. And as a result, uh, like I say, that sack is coming from who knows. And and if that is the case, if, you know, if the Steelers uh, don't show their hand, well, what is the other team thinking? You know, where's that sack going to come from? And I think uh, Craig is right. Uh, if you just have one move, if you're a one-trick pony, uh, sooner or later you have to take that step toward the quarterback, and the blocker knows that. But if if you're doing the combo stuff and you're saying, well, I got my – oh, wait a minute, that other guy, I didn't see him. And I think that's what the Steelers are bringing now. And the biggest thing I, I would say is you've got four killers up front. All right, these guys – you got four carnivore that are hunting that quarterback anytime that quarterback drops back. That's something that the Steelers, you know, you always want to do because if you can rush the passer with four, you can drop seven and do all sorts of things on the back end. But if you can't get any pressure with just four, then you got to send the dogs coming from the linebacker level, so forth. That creates more problems for yourself, too. And the Steelers now have 50 or more sacks in four consecutive seasons. The last team to do that in the NFL, the New York Giants from 1985 to 1988. Uh, and not to mention Phillip Rivers Wolf was only sacked 16 times coming into yesterday's game. And then the Steelers, as you said, especially in that second half, that's what Billy and I were talking about a little bit earlier when we didn't have you just, you know, the offense turned it on, but so did the defense and especially that defensive front, as you had mentioned. Well, there's no question about the fact that, um, you know, if if you go through a period of time where one unit is supplanting the other f for a long time, it can it's it's hard, defensively speaking. If that offense isn't carrying their weight, you carry it for as long as you can, defensively speaking, but you need the offense to be able to step up at some point in time and be able to regain its traction. Well, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was happening. And then all of a sudden, Ben catches lightning in the bottle, like you know that he's capable of doing. And things start happening. Three touchdowns in 11 minutes. And during that period of time, the defense, which had been slugging out, doing a good job, but had some gaps, uh, all of a sudden starts regaining its footing. And then so much of this, this flows from Ben. When Ben is playing at the top of his game, it's he's like a reservoir that keeps overflowing into other areas. In other areas, other units, you get inspired. Okay, you, defensively speaking, now you guys are, get back on top. You can go after Phil Rivers. You can go over there and start making things miserable for the Colts' offensive line, rather than letting them run the ball and being able to carry the the to set the tone for the rest of the game. You get to be more decisive and get after the Colts more. That's the fun part of it, defensively speaking. All right, and just two quick notes in terms of players on IR. Robert Spillane would be eligible to return this week. We'll probably learn more tomorrow at Coach Tomlin's press conference. Uh, that would be timely indeed. And also Matt Filer, he would be next week heading into the wild card round of the play playoffs. So hopefully some updates from Coach Tomlin there. Two guys the Steelers would definitely love to have back moving forward. But we are going to talk about the playoffs and what to do Sunday in Cleveland for week 17. We're going to take another quick break here on The Point After. We'll be right back. Back to The Point After on DVE. 
at the 39 of the Colts. He wants to throw it deep, and he throws it down the right sideline. Deontay Johnson diving through the end zone, and he caught it for the touchdown. A 39-yard strike on first and 10. Ben to Deontay Johnson. Deontay's seventh touchdown reception of the year. He had a step on Rock Yassine and then dove and caught the ball. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Woofley back here on The Point After with you, taking you to the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. Deontay Johnson's beauty of a touchdown, Billy. Ben throwing three touchdowns in the second half. That one to Johnson, Eric Ebron, and Juju Smith-Schuster. A couple of weeks ago, a couple of those national reporters, and we don't have to mention their names, but uh, they sometimes like to think that they know things that we don't, having been around the team as much, especially you are. And, and Craig and Tunch. But, uh, you know, they said Ben's knee. You know, the, the, the franchise is concerned about Ben's knee. And from what I could tell, there wasn't that much concern. And people saying, well, he can't step into his throws. Well, I give you, uh, <laughs> I give you my uh, evidence. Uh, that throw to Deontay Johnson and then the one to Juju from 25, uh, those throws were stepped into mightily. Uh, they were laser beams, and that was pure Ben. And so if you're worried about his knee, I think you should stop worrying. We'll call those nameless gray faces. Okay. I'll, I'll <laughs> borrow a page from Mike Tomlin. Yeah, right? Okay, Wolf, what did you see from Ben there in the second half and just overall where you think his health is uh, heading into the final stretch here? I think he's tough as nails, man. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. You, If you got a gimp or a limp, all right, that's that's part of the game right now. Is there any, anything big about it? No, that arm is fine. I mean, if you saw, it's like Billy said. I mean, that was a laser beam. And the beautiful thing about it was if you watch him, he's got the safety. He's got the safety in conflict. The safety in conflict is sitting there. He's looking, do I go underneath on a crossing route? Do I step back to double up with this guy on the outside on Deontay? He didn't know what to do because Ben held him with a nice look to the inside, keeping him from being able to double up and get over the top on that outside route. So uh, to me, that's just great quarterbacking with Juju. What a great pump fake. You know, I don't know. Maybe if your knee is all messed up, I don't know that you can pump fake that well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The fact was he pump faked like it was, you know, uh, he was going to launch and pulled that thing off and, pulled it back, and then he let it fly, and he threw a perfect strike to Juju. Think about it. For a guy that everybody says he can't get it down the field, he had a 25-yard, a 34-yard, and a 39-yard completion. I mean, I don't know. Ben, Ben's just, he's just being the guy that he's meant to be. I read uh, Bob Lariola's column today, uh, and his point was, you know, the stars were stars, and that is something that they needed to do during that three-game losing stretch, and it just felt like uh, it wasn't happening. And as soon as one started clicking, another guy bought in, and all of a sudden it has that good trickle-down effect uh, that happens in a positive way, the snowball, you know, rolling down the hill type of thing. Um, What do you make, uh, I asked Billy earlier, Wolf, just of what this tells you about the Steelers and how they were able to overcome a 17-point deficit to get the win yesterday? You know, the thing is, Missy, you described that so accurately. That's like Chuck Knoll used to talk about. If everybody got better by 1%, then you have this whole snowball effect of people playing better. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes one guy, then another guy, and another guy. And you still believe, you get in the huddle, and you press forward, and you stay after it. You don't quit. And when one guy has a little bit of success, 
It's like you said, it's a snowball thing that catches with others. It gets over to the defense. T.J. Watt, he's an energy bringer. Alex Highsmith got almost got home several times bringing pressure. All right, you saw uh, Avery Williamson and you saw Vince Williams with some tackles for loss blowing up the B gaps and the A gaps. Yeah, did they miss some? Yeah, you're going to get beat some. Jonathan Taylor, I will say this, and Billy, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. The guy is a solid back. I mean, just watching that guy work yesterday, he's an impressive guy. The Colts offensive line, they're for real. But the fact is, the Steelers defense, it, it's like they got swept up in the offensive momentum, and they just became that, that roaring defense in the second half that we wanted them to be. Yeah, it was uh, almost like a springboard. And the offense, in this case, provided a springboard for the defense. And that's what happens in mm-hmm. football games. Offense and defense have to complement one another if you're going to have a winning effort. Well, if the other guys get paid, too, we say that a lot uh, in terms of <laughs> usually if something doesn't go the Steelers' way, but things did end up going the Steelers' way in that game. What changed in terms of the Colts' approach and what they did in the second half, not necessarily what the Steelers did well? You know, the thing about it is I've been watching. I've watched this game from a couple of times over already today. And the stratagems and a lot of the other stuff, there there wasn't a big thing. You know what what was happening? Guys blocked guys. Guys got unblocked that were getting blocked. Guys made catches. I mean, Deontay, again, Deontay had a drop. But you know what? How do you how do you account for that Superman dive and catching that ball and not losing it while you're you're hitting the ground rolling over? Kevin Dotson, what a nice job for a guy who's had a shoulder problem to come back. DeForest Buckner is a serious dude on the inside. That guy there, he's one of these guys that, you know, last week he had three sacks versus Houston. Okay, he can just create all kinds of problems. But Kevin Dotson played very well against him. You expect the Castro to play well, but Kevin Dotson played very well against him. You know, guys stepped up and did the job. Uh, Al Villanueva, Al, well, he rebounded, you know, and you, you got him in the second half, did some really great stuff too. All I saw really was guys coming out and really getting after it and doing the jobs that they're supposed to be doing and doing it as well as they had been doing it in the first 11 games. Why does it seem, Billy, that the sluggish starts and maybe just not being able to turn it on as quickly uh, seems to be an issue that even during that winning streak was was something that the Steelers just could not overcome? I really think that the uh, schedule changes with regard to the COVID things and the games scheduled, canceled, moved, played on a Wednesday at 5 o'clock, I think that finally started to catch up with them. Uh, nobody wanted to go there, but in retrospect, I think it was a factor. And I think that sort of mentality does lead to slow starts. You go out and you're not sure, you know, and, and there's no rhythm. Well, because there was no rhythm during the week. And I think for one of the rare times in December, we had enough preparation time. I mean, we still had a short week comparatively, but compared to what we had been used to, it was a nice, luxurious week. And I think. Uh, that rhythm, it didn't show in the first couple of series or even in the first half. But I, I really think, you know, it takes you time to shake that lethargy, and it took them a whole half to do it. 
Yeah, I don't know about you, Wolf, but a one o'clock Sunday game at Heinz Field, my body told me it was time for football. I didn't have to be told by an alarm clock or a different day. It was like I woke up and said, it's Sunday. It's a football game. (laughs) Missy, I couldn't say it better. You're right on. Here's the thing about it. And what I try to explain to people, you have a routine. And to be able to be at your peak performance, let's say a one o'clock on Sunday afternoon, you have your five days out, four days out, three, two, and one day out that you go through. The entire week, as you're going through these routines, you are making sure you check all the boxes, whether it's prehab or rehab that you got to get done because you got something hurting, whether it's a little extra strength training, whether it's extra film watching, whether it's um, doing your mental gymnastics, which is getting into the theater or the mind and mentally going through what you need to do. And you don't do that for five minutes. That's, that's like an hour thing every day that you want to be able to do. So when your schedule and routine is constantly jumbling between we're one day out, no, we're back to three days out, then we're suddenly two, then we're, oh, we're back to three, now we're down to one, and you have that sort of thing, it makes players uncomfortable. Players thrive on routine. When they don't have routine, they tend to get dysfunctional a little bit. And that's where I think I think Billy's right on. I think you're right on. Um, you get a little bit of dysfunction when you have a jumbled sort of starting time. All right. Well, the good news is week 17 Steelers at Browns uh, taking the buses to Cleveland. That it stays at a one o'clock game. I was trying so hard to not pay attention to the Titans game and just go to bed. But I was anxiously awaiting that email from the league with potential schedule changes. And when I got in, saw the game was at one. I said, all right, I'm going to bed. I'm good now. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, tonight, I think a lot of people uh, affiliated with the Steelers and Steelers fans will be uh, paying attention to what the Bills do playing the Patriots. They are 11 and three right now. The Steelers, of course, 12 and three. There is a chance uh, the seeds flip flop, depending on what happens these next two Two games, uh, week 16 finishing out for the Bills and then week 17 for everybody. But it's crazy because, as we said, the Colts are the team on the outside looking in right now. Uh, As it stands, we know the Chiefs are the one seed, the Steelers and Bills, two and three potentially flip-flopping, as I said. And then Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, and Browns, that's how it sits right now. But that can change and Uh, We will see. So with all of that being said, uh, not knowing the outcome of the Bills game tonight, uh, Billy, I'll start with you and just your mindset heading into Cleveland. Who are you resting? Who are you uh, getting some extra snaps for? What are you doing? Mike Pursuta told Wolf and I earlier today, he's not even letting Ben Roethlisberger leave the state. He's staying in Pennsylvania. (laughs) No, he's got to be there if Mason Rudolph is going to be your starter. Uh, He's got to be there as a coach. Um, but, uh, Hey, by the way, and I'm not talking the question, Missy, but have you, or Craig, have you ever bust to Cleveland and back? I, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I my, did that my entire career. <laughs> remember the year that Kent Graham got sacked and we were going into, I think tie the game and he got sacked and we're out of field goal range and lost. Bill Cower was the coach and the rule in Cleveland is first bus. <laughs> Fairly full, go. Mm-hmm. Second bus, fairly full, go. Well, he comes out, uh, n- not in the best of moods, tells the driver, close the door and take me to Pittsburgh. <laughs> he was the only person <laughs> on that first bus all the way back home. And I'm sure the players were glad, too. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, we didn't have the bye. We never had a bye. 
okay, we had a surprise buy back in, what, October, but we never right. had that buy, and I think this is what you do is make it a buy as a, much as you can. A surprise Thanksgiving buy. Well, no, I'm, again, I'm being facetious. Again, I'm joking. Again, well, to, to Craig's point, you disrupt the oh. rhythm, the continuity. And so, therefore, now you know uh, what's at stake and what isn't at stake. Uh, okay, you might need the game for seating, but is that more important than resting people like the veterans? And the guys that need the rest, the guys that are banged up, which at this time of year, most everybody is. Right. So I, I, I just think, well, hey, uh, I pay attention to the Vegas thing only because of relative strength. Cleveland opened a three-and-a-half-point favorite and jumped to six-and-a-half. Do the people in Vegas know how Mike Tomlin's <laughs> going to approach this game? I think they, they read his mind, and I think he's going to arrest the key veteran people. All right, Wolf, what do you think? What are you What are you doing if it is your decision for Week 17? You know, my problem is I'm an old guy. You know, that's you're not that's as old as I am. <laughs> but then again, I never played the game, so certain body parts of mine Even are probably out. yes, they're, they're probably <laughs> fresh compared to yours. You know, the the thing about it is, back in the day, you didn't even think about not playing. You know, you might get pulled out early, but you you certainly were going to play. I would want all my starters to go through all the regular rigmarole of the week, preparing everything up to until the time of uh, kicking off. I might pull Ben. I might pull – but I really want as many of my starters to maybe play a quarter, okay? That's it. That's all. I want to keep them – whatever we captured this yesterday – we got to capture and, and maintain coming forward. And you can't do that if you're sitting out a couple of weeks. All right. Well, Mike Tomlin's press conference Tuesday at noon. You can catch it on SNR and on Steelers.com. Thanks so much to Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley for joining me here tonight on The Point. After, that's going to do it for us. Have a great week. Go Steelers for Week 17. We will be back here next Monday for another edition of The Point After at 7 p.m.